Episode 9 of the Sales Change Podcast is Jamie Alderton. He's a former UK and European bodybuilding champion. He's a world record holder after he recently boxed, jumped Everest in under 24 hours. He's an author of two books, his latest being Meltdown. And more importantly, he's the ninth guest on the Sales Change Podcast. We talk about how he prepares for keynote speeches, stoicism, where he sees the future of the social media and fitness industries. He also answers the Sales Change 5 questions. This is an episode that is full of knowledge bombs, as Jamie would say. Enjoy this episode. It's a good one. Visit www.saleschange.co.uk forward slash newsletter. Sign up to get more information about the great guests we've got coming up in the next couple of weeks. Enjoy lockdown. Welcome, Jamie, to the Sales Change Podcast. How are you? I'm really well, thanks, Matt. How are you? Yes, I'm good. It's a, it's a struggle, but COVID-19 is uh, bringing out the best in people. So for the listeners that don't know, tell us a bit about you. Oh, where shall I start? Which one, the long or the short? I, I think the main thing um, that I want people to kind of know is that I kind of have three focuses, body, brain, and business. It's something that I have an immense amount of passion for, and that's all three. And that has seen me go from a redundant contract worker in 2012 to what I've achieved today. And, you know, I've achieved a lot with kind of my body and brain. And I've helped a lot of people with their businesses too. And that's that's kind of scanned from competing at a high level in bodybuilding to just breaking a Guinness World Record for box jumping Mount yeah, Everest. Congratulations on that. That was a struggle yeah, to get out of it. Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> and and uh, I've written, also written two books, one called Mindset with Muscle and uh, one called Meltdown, where I was talking about dealing with uh, a lot of hardships and then creating happiness through those hardships, which is quite prevalent at this moment in time, I would say. Yeah, I've read, I've read the Meltdown book. It's very interesting. Very interesting. Because I, I, I actually found some synergies within that, within that book. You left the army in 2009. I left the army in 2005 and sort of it must have been sort of like a pattern because six years after I left, I went through some sort of meltdown and my ego got the best of me and took over what I thought was the best path. I got divorced. I sort of set up life elsewhere and you seem to have gone down the same path, but you stuck with your wife and, and you've gone through that process. How do you keep your ego in check now? I think it's important to understand that, you know, like when it comes to building a business and anything like that, and especially when it comes to social media and as you start building it up, it, it can be very, very difficult to know uh, when when to keep it in check. But I think a lot of it has come from mistakes and also understanding a level of self-awareness that kind of my biggest uh, hindrance now is that because as soon as you allow that ego to overtake, that's the minute that you stop thinking, that's the minute that you stop learning, and that's the minute that you stop growing. Yeah. Um, and it's just something that I've had to practice a lot. Um, I think a lot of people learn from mistakes. I mean, obviously, there's two ways of learning, learning from other people's mistakes and learning from your own. It's very hard to kind of learn from others people's mistakes without feeling them or going through them yourself. So if you can do that, hats off. But I think a lot of it comes from that kind of self-awareness of making lots of fuck ups and failures and understanding that that's a natural part of progression. It is. It is. So you're, you're huge on social media. I mean, you've got hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram, Facebook. TikTok is blowing up for you right now. How do you stay connected with that and not let it sort of take control of you? I, I think it's important to understand that 
small things done consistently equate to big results. A lot of people look at the things, you know, the followers that I've had and not kind of look at uh, the habits and routines. And a lot of that is from just showing up every day. A lot of people say, oh, you know, you've got hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram. I said, yeah, I've been showing up every day since April 2012. So it's been a slow and steady progress. It's not been an overnight success. Uh, same with Facebook. The only one that's probably been a little bit different from that is, of course, TikTok, which, you know, it's kind of built over almost, well, quarter million followers in six months but a lot of that has come down to understanding social media being consistent with it and and spotting a few things that um, a lot of people don't really notice when it comes to certain platforms and it's engagement it's um, entertainment and you know consistency yeah yeah how important is social media to your business because obviously there's there's monetization behind what you do how important is social media for you um, incredibly important, you know, some, some of my friends say his audience is currency and it certainly is. I mean, I very much focus on the front end as well as the back end. And I think that's important too, because I know a lot of people who have big social media followings, but, and they're, they're you know, they struggle a lot to monetize that. And, yep. you know, I never got into social media with a plan of action of turning it into a business. It just sort of turned into a business from you know, following that passion of what I was doing. You know, I was turning up every day on social media and posting content without monetizing it. And I think that's an important thing for people to do because a lot of people are looking at my TikTok strategy and I, I, like three or four months ago, you know, I hit 100,000 followers on there and the instant kind of business market to person response was, yeah, but are you making any money from that? And I'm just like, well, if you are, if you have that thought process with everything that you do, you're not going to really keep consistent with stuff because you're, you're, you know, what happens once you get that money? Are you going to stop doing it? And also, something I always say is the same day that you plant the seed isn't always the same day you pick the flower. Yeah. Things take many, many years. You look at YouTubers now that have millions of followers um, and now start making hundreds of thousands of pounds slash dollars uh, a month from doing that. They didn't go into starting a YouTube channel with the thought of making hundreds of thousands a month. They went because they enjoyed creating content and you know, they were consistent with doing it. And I think when it comes to social media, that's the most important factor of doing it because that's how you're going to keep consistent by doing something that you enjoy doing every day. And if you don't enjoy it, why the fuck are you doing it? And this is exactly what I did with the podcast. The podcast, I started doing it just because, hey, I enjoy doing it. And and I've had a couple of friends come up to me and say, yeah, but what's the future for it? How are you going to make money out of this? And it's not about money for me. It's not about turning this into a business or it's all about my personal brand and building my personal brand so that in the future, when I do branch out on my own, let's say in five, 10 years time, and I become some director somewhere and I'm able to go out and consult to other companies, I've got this wealth and bank of content which supports all of the achievements that I've, that I've made. But you're right. You shouldn't go into anything with the thought that how do I make money out of this? Because ultimately you're going to end up flat on your face. Yeah. And, and also, I think a lot of people stop doing stuff for enjoyment. You know, there doesn't need to be a strategy for doing stuff. You know, a lot of people, when I was, um, you know, competing at a high level, I'd have strange things in my diet, such as like Skittles or something like that. And people go, oh, so what's the, um, what's the thought process behind that? Is there some kind of secret trick for having that? And I said, no. I like Skittles. <laughs> yeah. And people say, like, oh, so what's, you know, what's the strategy for TikTok? I like posting TikTok. Where does the creativity come from? It's very hard to explain. You know, it is because I, I spend a lot of time looking at things and, and 
and especially content and that and a lot of it comes from the psychology behind it and I'm very very kind of obsessed should we say with social media and psychology I mean it comes from my background um, I left the army and actually worked in psychological operations I got a contract uh, for the US government so I was very fascinated with what they were doing out in the Middle East and obviously I did it for a year and learned a hell of a lot about what makes people tick and focus groups etc cetera, etc cetera. and I kind of transition that into what I do and you know when I see something that has a lot of follows or a lot of likes or comments or or that I, I'm you know I'm the person that's looking through the shares looking through the comments and trying to kind of break down why that thing went viral and why that thing was popular and, and try and utilize those things and do it for my own stuff of which I've had great success with. And that for me is kind of my hobby and passion of making something that it, you know, makes someone's day better. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's what I do like with the content and, or, or finding an original concept and then kind of changing it a little bit and making it in my eyes, you know, jamifying it and making it a bit different. Yeah, we had a guest on the podcast, uh, I think it was two episodes ago, uh, Paul Tanzi, who runs a digital marketing company. And his phrase that we used and rolled out was, um, much innovation is actually recombination. And that's exactly what TikTok is, because the amount of people that do dances and then re recombinate them into a different melody or a different dance. So I suppose it is just trying to identify a niche or not a niche, but a, a way that you can recombinate what you've seen into the way that you do it. And you and you do that you do that very well, I must say, especially with the video mastery course. These are all skills which I've used and taken on to um, boost my day job and my social media. So um, it's just about learning the skills, and and I've learned a lot of skills off of YouTube, just reading blogs. Or are you self-taught, or is it? Do you buy into courses that you see on the internet? No, I'd say rarely everything's self-taught, you know, um, I've got my own way of doing stuff and the way that my, my head kind of works is when I see a piece of content or an image or a video or that, I'll, I will break it down and, you know, success leaves clues. So, you know, I will look at a top YouTuber and be you know i will look at it a very different way to somebody else does someone will look at someone going oh they've got millions of followers and this that, and the other and i'm like yeah but you're not looking at the content you're you're not looking at the jump cuts you're not looking at the fact that you're not getting bored with this piece of content because it's created at the right amount of time and there's a lot going on and then i start delving into um other things such as Quentin Tarantino and the way that he directs his movies and the fact that they, he starts his movies kind of in the middle where you stay engaged straight away because you're trying to figure out what's going on. And we, we naturally have to try and solve the puzzles of things. So uh, all of these kind of things people don't look at with regards to content. They just look at, oh, here's me doing my day-to-day -day routine. When actual fact, there's a, big, there's a bigger picture with a lot of this stuff, which, which immensely fascinates me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know that's that's what I spend a lot of time doing, and and of course is obsessed and fascinated with. And I obviously transition that into my own marketing and my own content too. Do you have a team around you to to help you do this video in and, and marketing, or is it just mainly come from your brain? Uh, mainly from my brain. Um, I do have a full time videographer, which we kind of I give him the ideas, and we kind of map things out. Um, I try and just clear it in my head. And, um, yeah, we just tend to rent a venue out or do whatever it is that we have an idea of doing and, and, and run with it really. 
So we've got a good relationship between uh, each other um, when it comes to content. And of course, I spend a lot of time doing my own content through like mobile editing and ideas as well. Uh, so how, how many people are in Team Jamie Olson? So I, I have a few uh, people that I rely on with regards to sort of Facebook ads and emails, but we're, we're kind of a, a trio. I've got myself, my operations manager and uh, my videographer, which is nice because um, last year I did have my gym facility and had about 22 staff. So it's nice to now have something a lot more you know, streamlined um, and how I want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you pick that team? Was that just a natural thing that occurred once you left the gym? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, my operations manager, Jason, you know, he's been through kind of thick and thin with me for the last few years. And um, my videographer, David, you know, he's um, ex-military as well. He was uh, ex-Polish uh, military. So we've kind of got the same kind of work ethic and, you know, thought process and that, and which works well, you know, because we don't necessarily need to kind of, I don't necessarily need to micromanage them they know kind of what i need to be done and if i need kind of help with stuff they tend to um fortunately you know jason he's kind of got like a, a crystal ball he, he knows me well now and he knows that i'm not the best manager so a lot of it his job is spent trying to figure out things to take off my plate do you most of the ideas come from you and then you've got the other two to complement the skills that you don't have for example yeah um i would say like my my biggest problem is delegation with, with things i very much enjoy lots of things yeah uh, but i also understand that there is potentially people that could do it better or maybe not as good but at the same time as good if you know what i mean sometimes it doesn't you kind of have a law of diminishing returns with things and i like to be in the know and, and finger on the pulse with everything but yeah, what got me where I am today, of course, won't get me to where I want to be. So it's that it's coming down to building the team up, trusting more people, um, and uh, and delegating more stuff. And where do you want to be? Retired. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, um, my main focus. I I have a kind of a six year plan, and yeah, one of the biggest things that I've always done is just look at where I want to be and then work backwards from that. And I think that's important is to know where I want to be at a certain time in my life and how far I am away from doing it. And that's kind of a six year plan from now. So that's what. Because I've seen I've seen a definite transition from where you were, let's say, 18 months ago, two years ago to where you are now. And it seems to be positioning yourself as a as a trainer to the trainers rather than a trainer yourself. Is that a conscious decision to transition into that? I think it's a natural progression because, you know, one thing that I love doing is doing something and instantly teaching people how I did it. Kind of yep. a magician that reveals its secrets because I think that shows true, true authority and, and, you know, true authenticity. And the fact that, you know, I'm not telling people I've got magic secrets. I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of giving people the step-by-step -step guides, but also understanding that, you know, from a business point of view, there is a lot of people out there promising the world and delivering nothing. And I have a lot that can deliver to people and it's just about packaging that up and making it usable for other people to benefit from. So it, it has come from a natural, you know, progression. A lot of people ask me about content, about video, about marketing. A lot of people ask me about, you know, creating digital products and scaling online business and understanding how it all works together. And yeah, it's something that I've you know behind say behind closed doors i've something i've done as a hobby for the last three years and you know probably work with about 
150, 200 coaches and they've all, you know, double quadrupled their businesses. So you kind of actually think, well, actually, you know, should I be turning this hobby into my full-time job? And, you know, when I did that, obviously I achieved a lot of success with it and I still continue to do so. So for me, it's like, well, you know, it's time now to transition that into, you know, coaching the coaches. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think being in the army and understanding, because the phrase that I've always taken away from the army is prior preparation prevents piss poor performance. Do you think the forward planning and the understanding your battle plan or your war plan was given to you during your time in the army so that you can understand how to forward plan and understand where your business needs to go? Yeah. And I think, I think self-discipline is one of the biggest takeaways that I get from the army because, you know, I, I think a lot of people lack that these days. I mean, people rely on motivation to do stuff, but that's not what's going to get you that success because if you just turn up on dates where you feel good, you're only going to turn up two or three times a week and, you know, win, rain or shine with regards to the army. I think one of the biggest things is that, you know, your motivation is the army as much as, you know, you complain all day, but you still get the work done. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of that is because you're all, you know, you're with a group of lads, you're all in the same boat and you not doing the work is letting other people down. And, when it comes to business, the only person that you're kind of letting down with this is yourself. So it's important to kind of have that kind of get up and go to have that discipline to do stuff, even though you don't want to do it because you don't want to let yourself down. You know, the more that you spend not doing stuff, the longer game that you've got to play in this. Yeah. yeah. That's the way that I kind of look at it. You talk about stoicism as a key attribute in your meltdown book. Do you think that was brought on from the time in the army as well? Because I don't get, flustered or wound up by much and i think that's been served by time that i spent in iraq like when you've once you've sat under the stars in a gas mask for 72 hours there's not a lot that's in general public life that actually causes you to be uh upset or, or worried do you think stoicism is something that is a definite sort of takeaway from the army yeah in in a way yeah i mean i, th- I think it's very easy to lose sight of things and you know we've got a great perspective in the fact that we can compare a lot of things back to those days which makes things naturally easier but one of the kind of challenges for me is to understand that 99% of my customers and clients haven't got that military training so how do I instill that mindset to them to understand um and you know the best thing is to recommend a book or you know people that they can follow to to better understand that and you know the the emphasis of stoicism is you can't control what happens to you but you can control how you respond to it and i think people don't really focus on their own responses to things because generally it's the opposite of what you should be reacting to as in if you're angry you have a natural tendency to lash out when an actual fat you know, to kind of reduce that anger down. It's a, a lot of it spent on reaching out to people and helping. Yeah, um, yeah. And if you're, if you're having the opposite reaction to how you're feeling uh, and you're, and you're very self-aware of that, which takes a lot of time as with anything, um, you, you can definitely win the game with it. Do you think that's a key attribute in um, leading as well? I, I think very much so. I mean, a, a lot, I've read a, a hell of a lot of leadership. I mean, some of the, be- one of the best, people I've learned from is John Maxwell definitely because he talks very much in acronyms which us as squaddies ex-squaddies love um love an acronym and yeah I I think as well is some you know kind of two things which I'm very very much you know has been key to a lot of success is what you practice in private you're rewarded for in public so it's being disciplined to do the work when no one else is looking 
and not doing things that you wouldn't do yourself. So, you know, I can't go on a stage or jump on a video or talk about something if I'm not doing it myself, because then I just become full of shit. How do you prepare to get on stage? I, I think a lot of it, it, it has come down to experience. You know, I spend a lot of time um, doing stage talks now. And a lot of people, the reason that they are, they, they get that kind of stage fight and they're scared is because they think that everybody is looking at them and wanting them to fail. When in actual fact, a lot of what people need to understand is that you're on the, you're on the stage to help people and people aren't thinking of you, they're thinking of themselves. So it's very different when you're going on stage going, right, people need this and people don't care about me, they care about themselves. And all they care about is what value that they can take from me. And I think that's one of the most important understandings with public speaking, which is why I don't get too nervous now, because I know the content which I'm about to give to people is, is immensely valuable for them. And that's obviously come down with experience and feedback. So I get more excited now about being able to share that because of the value that it gives. I think a lot of people need to do more things that scare them, such as public speaking, and put themselves in those uncomfortable places because that's what's going to really set you apart from the rest and of course you know we're in very uncertain times at the moment and people have a natural tendency to you know do the easy things shrink back to their comfort zone yeah exactly and and this is a time when you need to be proactive you need to be doing the things such as you know podcasts such as videos such as um you know getting yourself out there else you know you're going to really really struggle uh, especially 2020 being you know, very much at the moment. If you're the only way to get out there is to be online. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. You carry out public speaking for the fitness industry and training the trainers, let's say. Do you very much want to stay in your lane, or is there a future plan to branch out into business coaching as well? Yeah, I mean, I'm very much focused on helping my industry at the moment, but I also understand that there's a lot of small businesses that need help, especially when it comes to social media and strategy. And and I think most importantly, confidence. And, you know, I have spoken at quite a few B2B events and spoken to people that are not in my area of expertise and, and you kind of realize how much help they need. But it's something that I might consider from a digital product or course perspective later on. But I really want to kind of give back to an industry that's done, you know, that's helped me a lot and obviously helped me be where I am. So yeah. it's that kind of feeling of wanting to, to give back and help people along the, their own journey. So you talked briefly then about comfort zone. What's the next, what's next for Jamie to stretch you out of your comfort zone? I think surviving this pandemic is number one, which is, <laughs> which is important. But this year is very much focused on building up my app, the Trainer Mind app, and helping trainers as much as possible. And that's kind of been my massive kind of business focus. I usually have something like body, brain, and business. And I always set myself challenges every single year, some random challenges, some big challenges. Um, next year will probably be my yeah, every two years I do a bit of a crazy event. Last year was the big one. Um, next year will probably be another one. Um, this year I very much focus on doing things that make me harder to kill. <laughs> so that's continuing jumping in the sea, adapting to cold. Uh, I've got a little bit of a um, a little bit of a challenge myself to be able to hold my breath for four minutes underwater. So I do a lot of breath work and training at the moment, up to I think it's two minutes thirty five. I'm at, at the moment. Um, which is cool. Um, uh, and yeah, I think it's just very much just showing up every day, doing what, what it is that I enjoy um, and giving as much value as possible. 
where do you see the future of the fitness industry or social media? You can choose either one. Yeah, I, I think one. Uh, it, it's a very interesting time. I think one of the biggest things from the fitness industry point of view is the realization that you need multiple streams of revenue. You need multiple talents and things can change very quickly. And I, I keep bringing up the quote of, you know, it's not the strongest that uh, survive. It's the ones that are most adaptive to change. I think the, the skills in any kind of business or social media is the ability to pivot. Um, and we talk about platforms, of course, you know, any moment in time, Instagram and Facebook book could go down or suddenly another platform could emerge. But you look at why I've had so much success on TikTok is because I understand social media. So I'm able to pivot into anything. And you look at some of the top YouTubers, such as Logan Paul, a Vine star who started to understand, you know, how to build up a following and suddenly Vine disappears. And then he transitions his entire efforts into YouTube. So I think these are the kind of skills you need to be looking at. And a lot of them are, are just based on understanding people. You know, the reason that we talk about stoicism is you've got these guys who were around 2,200 years ago and the things that they said then are just as relevant today. So as much as platforms and marketing and social media and everything will change, if you start to really get to understand people, um, no matter what the game changes into, you'll still be able to win it. Excellent. <laughs> so we're just coming up towards like the last five minutes. And what we do on every single podcast is ask the sales change five questions. And I'm going to ask them exactly the same to you in any order. So what would be the worst job that you could ever do? And why? One that involves not helping people. So something that I, you know, doesn't make someone's life better, whatever that is. And I'm sure there's plenty of jobs out there. <laughs> um, what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, what did I want to be? Uh, interesting one. Uh, it depends how far you go back. I mean, if I go <laughs> back to a kid, I always wanted to work in a fruit shop because I said I would like to go home smelling a fruit. And that I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea why I said that. But I must have been about six or seven, and I always remembered that. So, and then, and then, what was the next stage after that one? I, do you know? I, I, I really, I, I really don't know to be honest. Did you want? To, did you always want to go into the army? Was that? Yeah, yeah. I kind. Well, I kind of had a. I kind of had to make a decision: either go to prison or join the army. And it wasn't the decision that was given to me. It was just the inevitable if I carried on the way that I was and I kind of failed college and started drinking quite heavily and getting into a bit of trouble and realizing, yeah, I kind of need somebody to help me here. Else I'm just going to go down the wrong path. And I remember doing work experience uh, with the princess of Wales regiment when I was 15. And I kind of said to myself, well, you know, this is probably the best way to go. Um, <laughs> when, when, when and did my barb test as we all did and the guy I scored quite high and they said oh we you know you've got kind of royal signals or intelligence core and I decided you know I was doing computers at school that I'll do kind of something to do with technology in the army and that was the decision join the royal signals as a communication systems operator well that's very interesting because I was in the signals as a telecommunications technician so oh, there you go there you go who's the leader that you look up to the most I have different people that I look up to for different things. I would say from very much a, some, a person that I'm really digging from a kind of philosophical and psychological perspective at the moment is Alanda Baton, which is a very interesting fella. Um, incredible books, which I highly recommend. Uh, I do like listening to uh, Robin Sharma as well. 
it's very much from the mindset point of view when it comes to kind of mental robustness and toughness very much dig David Goggins stuff because he's he's been able to really pinpoint some of the stuff that I do and you know for me to better kind of understand that kind of thing when it comes yeah, to yeah. ultra endurance and, and things like that so they're very much kind of the things the people that I, I kind of go to I'm very much big on mindset things and and just mainly turning complex subjects into analogies and stories because that's how I better understand things yeah 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 um so what was the last book that you read the last book that I read was I've got hmm do you do what I do and and have like three or four books on the go at the same time yeah I've got four books on the go at the moment if I think one I've just finished which is probably because hmm, I'm rereading some classics. I'm a, I'm actually rereading the Four Hour Work Week because I, I enjoy that. Attraction by Gene Wickman. That was a fantastic book. And I'm rereading Launch by Jeff Walker. Jeff Walker's a very very big on launching on social media, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's probably one that you could use as a template or a mentor to to get going on social media and, and sell a digital product if you like. Yeah, very much so. I read the book about. About I think about five years ago, and that that's what you know. Initially, that plus uh, Daniel Priestley's oversubscribed is what I kind of created a lot of my uh, campaign products on. Yeah, which I've had a lot of success with. Uh, and so the final question, which will be very interesting to hear from you. So we've ordinarily we'd ask Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, which is your favourite social media network and why. But I'm guessing you would say TikTok. Um, I'm going to say, yeah, I would say TikTok purely because the whole point of social media in, when I started in 2011, 2012, the whole point of social media was enjoyment. It was, you know, getting a reaction from people, making people laugh and, and people used to actually follow each other, you know, and not want, you know, I remember when Twitter used to do follow Fridays and stuff like that. Um, and, and TikTok's very much gone back to the old roots of pure enjoyment for social media and creativity. And that's why I like it so much because you know, you can't actually say many platforms that leave you better than when you get on there. <laughs> yeah. Because whenever you go on to, you know, depending on who you follow, but if you go on to Facebook, nine times out of 10, you leave with higher anxiety and more stress than when you went on. And tick- It's Sandra talking about a fence that's down and that type <laughs> of stuff. And Twitter, definitely. If you want, if you want to, if, if you want your life to get better, you, you might as well avoid Twitter. But TikTok, you always leave a little bit, you know, a little bit more enlightened and and happier with some of the, the stuff that's on there. Thanks, Jamie. No, thank you. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't go anywhere yet. Julio, tell people where they can get more information. If you like the podcast, go visit saleschange.co.uk. That's good, but you said dot, do, dot. Saleschange.co.uk. Why don't you head? No, 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 no. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Go to saleschange.co.uk. And- <laughs> saleschange.co.uk and subscribe to our incredible newsletter. Thanks for listening.